0: Alright, we have come to the end of Philippians chapter 2, but that does not mean that the book of Philippians ends at chapter 2, verse 30. In fact, if you're looking at your Bible, you'll notice there's a chapter 3 and a chapter 4. And while we don't have the time to study them as in-depth, we'd still like to talk about them while recapping how all those five episodes of Philippians chapter 2 link together and relate to one another. So, join us today as we do just that. is a McGregor podcast that offers a relevant and refreshing focus on understanding and applying God's word to your life. We'll discuss life-changing truths of biblical faith that comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. I'm your host, Nathan Bottomley, and joining me today is Colton Chilver. Join us as we open the Bible so that we can know the word. Well, welcome, Colton.
1: Mm-hmm. It's a
0: pleasure to be here. Oh, good. I'm glad. I hope so. It's the third time you've been here. <laughs> No, we are glad you're here. Uh, So here's the deal. Uh, You were in one of our episodes regarding Philippians chapter two. You were also in our intro to Philippians. And today we come to the end of Philippians. And by that, I mean, simply what I said, we've finished chapter two and we want to talk about, Mm -hmm. you know, what did we get from chapter two? And then we're just going to quickly look at what's in chapter three and four. And by the way, listener, I would urge you strongly. I'll look at the camera for this, uh, read this whole book. Don't, don't cherry pick parts of scripture. And just because we went through Philippians slowly or in little sections, it wasn't all of chapter two in one episode, read this whole book. This whole book is filled with wonderful truths about who God is wonderful truths about how we are to live as Christians. Uh, and I mean, put chapter two in context, read chapter one, listen to what we did about chapter two, read it for yourself, study it for yourself, read chapters three and four. And as we, I mean we endeavor to know the word that's the whole point of this. So that aside, recapping chapter 2. Colton, do you have a favorite set of verses from Philippians chapter 2? I do. I do uh the,
1: there are pretty much two passages I'll go to if like I just want to read something in the morning and I have to be somewhere like my go-to passages and one is ephesians chapter two reminding me of like where i came from like the lord saved me from death literally like i was in a spiritual death but philippians chapter two is um these first few verses have been such a constant reminder to stay humble to like um, kill my flesh kill those sinful desires that pridefulness that arises and that's always looking back to the example of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. So I think, uh, I think Philippians chapter two specifically, like one through 11 is maybe my most read passage. And it's just a constant reminder that God is good. Jesus, who was humbled to the point of death, like he was the best servant there was, and he was highly exalted for that. And it's just such a hopeful passage for me to go back to.
0: Yeah, it is a wonderful passage. I don't know if I've ever said this before. This episode, i.e., episode twelve, mm-hmm. I'm the worship leader at McGregor. For those of you that don't know, um, but it's interesting. I like. I actually have. I mean, in my Bible, there's these yellow yellow tabbies. I use them when we read scripture readings from the platform during worship services, mm-hmm. and it's funny because I've read those verses like specifically five to eight, or five to eleven, or like multiple times yeah. because they're just such, I mean, and I said this when we looked at, we looked at five through 11 was an episode. They're just such glorious truths. Yeah. Um, so let me ask you this. You, you referenced that it's one of the most, like one of your most read, uh, just for fun. I'm not going to make you prove it. Have you oh like, is it most read and
1: memorized? Oh gosh. I tried at a point and they just forgot to be honest. <laughs> like, fair, fair. It was the first few verses that stumped me because it's just so much application and yeah. then it gets into the hymn yep. of Christ. But then like I did, it's so like one to four
0: was like, darn it. Yeah. You, you can't quiz me now. I can't, I can't I'm not going to quiz you. Don't worry. All right. Let me ask you this though. Uh, so most read and you've talked about some of the truth. Is there like a specific reason yeah. I'm actually curious even about Ephesians too. Like there's yeah. a specific reason when you're shy on time, you go to those passages.
1: Yeah. I think like, cause I have my normal scripture reading in the morning and I try to get in like a couple of chapters. Sometimes I just study in depth. But if there's like an occasion where I just, I recall, um, like being reminded of the gospel. This is what I go to. Yeah, And I, when I, so I worked at a summer camp and it was primarily a summer camp, but it was a conference center year round called snowbird wilderness outfitters. And I recall like, um, the hardest part of the the entire summer was week seven, like week seven was when I got tired and we went with students for, 10 to 11 weeks and then two, uh, weeks of staff training prior to that. So it's like 13 weeks straight of just running. Like you barely get breaks. It's just, you die on the weekend. basically try to sleep as much as you can and then recover just in time. How so, old are these kids? Uh, middle school to high school. So they have
0: more energy than you.
1: Yes, yes. <laughs> but that that's what also keeps you going. So right. it's also good there. Absolutely. But it tires you fast. So it was something where like week 7 was always the point and this is for a lot of the other staff was like this was the point where your energy levels are just down. Like you just feel tired all the time. Like you almost feel like a walking zombie. Like it's almost that brick wall you hit during the right. summer. And I like I remember the last few summers because I worked there for three summers essentially every week seven i went to this passage like every week seven i just needed to be reminded you know i'm tired but humble those thoughts like the pride that's going up like why am i here why am i still doing this you know is this really worth it i could sleep in and go against my bible reading in the morning i don't need to pray i could just listen to the sermons they're giving the students but at the end of the day like i wasn't taking my faith seriously when it came to week seven so week seven was always like um a reminder something like, okay, I need to remember the gospel. Yeah, Why am I here? What am I doing? I'm doing this for Christ because Christ died. He was a humble servant. I need to remind myself of that.
0: Yeah. To be a humble servant. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which actually gets at the heart of like all what we saw through chapter two. Uh, Now, again, remember, I'm going to recap really fast why it was broken into those five sections that it was, and it has everything to do with what you just said. Mm -hmm. It's humility. Uh, In verses one through four, the Philippians are challenged. Remember, let's, let's actually go back even a step further. The very end of chapter one, it's that verse 27, like they're commanded, conduct themselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Mm -hmm. And then they're also told, Hey, verse 29, you will suffer for the sake of Christ. All right. So we know we got to live a certain way. We've talked about this. Go way back to Colossians. We've talked about this, that what you believe impacts how you live. And so we get, we roll into chapter two, starting at verse one, we did one to four. The point is this, that we're going to strive for unity. It's in, it's in verse one. If there's any encouragement in Christ, comfort from love, participation in the spirit, affection and sympathy, complete my joy, Paul's joy by being of the same mind, the same love in full accord and of one mind. All right. Mm -hmm. Unity. We can complete Paul's joy if we would desire to be in unity. And then he says it's verses three and four. This is where you get that humble. This is where it begins to, to come out through the rest of the chapter. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you basically look to the interests of others. Yeah. All right. So if you want to achieve unity, strive for humility. Yeah. And that's where we get to what you just said is your favorite passage. And I agree. And I keep saying this and I'll say it over and over again. What a glorious passage
1: mm-hmm.
0: that Christ would descend from his status, not cling to the fact that he was with God, but would empty himself. Mm. That is the supreme example of humility, not holding on to those things. And might, might that be true of us? Might we not cling to, things of this world cling to what status we have, what stuff we have like, cling, but why do cling to anything? Yeah. Right. Uh, be humble, be willing to let it go for the sake of others as Christ did. And then, I mean, the gospel is incomplete. If Christ is dead mm-hmm. in verses nine to 11, as you said this, he's exalted back in an act We read to the right hand of God. All right. So if our striving is to be humble, And Christ is the supreme example of humility in your now, you know, your favorite part of chapter two. Yeah. We talked last time then about verses 12 and 13. If you have salvation, do something. Mm -hmm. Don't, Don't sit there. Don't be complacent. You know, like live it out. And I, you know, I so appreciate just what you said last time, right? Like it's, we've been changed. All right. Live it out. Like yeah. go, go do something, live for the glory of Christ, be lights in a in a dark and dim and callous world. And by the way, the reminder at the end of chapter one, things are gonna get hard. and so verses verses fourteen, fifteen, and sixteen, things will get hard. Don't grumble, don't question, don't complain, don't dispute. Don't mutter to yourself, Don't be attacking God with questions, like the why questions, the heart that's completely dissatisfied and just screams, "What was me? Why would you do this? Yeah. Uh, that's what we got out of those verses. And then once we understand, we talked about this, we understand precept, we understand principles in chapter two. All right. We know we're striving for unity. A great way to achieve that is humility. Christ has exemplified it for us. I actually said this when we talked about those verses, do you ever, um, this is my, I'm off the rails now at this point. It's my own opinion. Uh, do you ever feel like, you know, you can't live up to Christ's example and it's mildly discouraging. Oh, all the
1: time. Like it literally like, the entire time you were talking, I just came thinking back to, it says strive for one mind. And then it says, you know, the mind of Christ. It's like, what the heck? Like, how are we supposed to be as humble as Christ? Like someone who would die for a sinner like that? That's so hard. Like how would I die for a righteous person where Christ would die even for like the most wretched sinner?
0: Yeah. And that's, there's that verse, right? One might die for a good person, mm -hmm. but Christ died for wretches. Yeah. Like, and you've said this already, like our sin that you talked about with our Ephesians, like we're, we're dead, Mm -hmm. right? We're sinners, Romans 3.23. What does a sinner deserve? Romans 6.23 tells us the wages of sin is death. Yeah. And yet Christ humbly let go of everything he had. Yeah. And, and died for us and not just any death. I mean that your that section, right? A death on a cross, Mm -hmm. like humiliating, excruciating. Yeah. But for sinners to be saved.
1: And that's why, like, I go to this when I'm discouraged to notice, like, Christ set the example. Yeah. I can't fulfill that, but like, I had to strive for that. Yeah. Which Paul talks about in this later, like striving for perfection, striving for Christ likeness. Yep. Even in the midst of you won't be able to reach that. Yep. Until you're resurrected, which is because Christ perfected
0: you. Yep. And he doesn't let us off the hook because this is where chapter two wraps up is once we understand these precepts shooting for Christ's like humility. Because mm-hmm. what's unique is we can't stop and go, well, I'm discouraged because I know I won't get it. Because then he gives us the three examples uh, that we looked at in our last episode, which is Paul, Timothy, and Epaphroditus. They are examples yeah. of what humble service looks like. And remember, Paul is the example of what it means to be sacrificial. He, In fact, he references himself as a drink offering. And then says that he's glad, I am glad and rejoice with you all. And then Timothy is the example of what humble service looks like. Because we read that he was... Uh, oh, well cheered by the news of you and I have no one like him genuinely concerned for your welfare. That's what you read in two verse 20. Mm. like Timothy's a caring guy and that's what it means that's another what does it mean to be humble and then Epaphroditus, someone willing to uh, risk his life could be ill, be near to death, but still be there for the service of Paul. yeah I mean he this is, I mean they were sinners, they're not Jesus so we know they're sinners and Romans 3 23 applies to them uh, that they were sinners. Uh, but they're counted you know, righteous through Christ and they provide for us for those found in Christ mm. examples of three people that live in a fallen world still struggle with sin because we know they're not perfect not until they get to heaven uh, but they provide examples of what humble service looks like all right so chapter one brings us into chapter two we talked a lot about one uh, in episode six we've talked about two through the last five episodes so the question then how does Paul end this book? What's the, you tell me that what's the contents of chapter three,
1: chapter three. Well, Paul, uh, we talked about like the false teachers a little bit in the first uh, introduction of like, Hey, like Paul, the, the, these are Jews coming into the church saying you need to abide by these things towards the Gentiles. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting to see here. Cause Paul refutes that by giving almost like a resume, of he's like the top dog Jew, basically. Like he is the best Jew there ever was. And he counts all as, well, rubbish, dung next to Christ. Yeah. Because Christ is so much greater than that.
0: Yeah. And it's interesting. You mentioned the false teachers seeping in, be worried about that, or just like false ideologies. It's Mm -hmm. in chapter three, verse two, where first of all, he says, now I'm going back in verse one, rejoice in the Lord. Uh, He, or finally, my brothers rejoice in the Lord to write the same things to you. Uh, is no trouble to me and is safe for you. And then what you said, the be warned verse two, this is very poignant. Look out for the dogs, look out for the evil doers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh for we are the circumcision who worship by the spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus. He actually is unique in, in chapter three. And again, I encourage you to read it, but he talks about what makes, a true believer or how you can tell. And these, I would challenge you listener. I hope these are true of you. He talks about, there's someone that rejoices in the Lord. We see that there's someone that exercises discernment. Uh, He writes really early in chapter three, they worship in the spirit, they glory in Christ and they don't put confidence in the flesh. And he talks about, he has every reason to put confidence in the flesh. You just said he he makes the case. uh, He could be the ultimate Jew. Yeah. I mean, he actually, I think it's in this path. Oh yeah, it is. Uh, in verse five circumcised, he's giving the resume of things that he he could hold, mm-hmm. um, circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin Hebrew of Hebrews as to the law of Pharisee as to zeal, a persecutor of the church as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Mm-hmm. He's basically saying, I check all the boxes. Yeah. If it, just, it's just fascinating. I check all the boxes and then what you said, but whatever gain I had, I count it as loss. Indeed. I count it as rubbish for the sake of Christ in order that I may gain Christ. Christ far outweighs any resume we could put together. Mm -hmm. Uh, And in making that argument, he says, and a believer should look like this. Well, that brings us into the back half of chapter three. Um, What's going on there? Um, He's more talking about
1: like striving for this perfection, striving for this humble obedience again. And he kind of goes back to what he was already saying. And we, we mentioned this, how the whole book surrounds and points back to the Christ him, like what Christ did at the cross. Right. Right. And the gospel, of course, is central in Christ is a central thing to Philippians. And he's just pointing back to that. Like I'm straining towards perfection. I'm straining towards living out the gospel as best as I can. And he gives kind of this analogy that we've alluded to of like running the race, like you're trying to get all the way to the end straining ahead. He uses his language of like, I'm stretching myself over the finish line. Like he's trying to get there as fast as possible.
0: Yep. And I think there's a key term that comes out of that. First of all, and again, back to what you said, like if the gospel is true, there's no if to that, by the way, Mm -hmm. (laughs) the gospel is true. Um, then we ought to, again, going back to the last episode you were on, work out our salvation. And one mm-hmm. of the, yeah, in the back half of chapter three, I get, you get that language like press on, pursue, that idea of just relentless intensity of someone running a race Yeah, and to run it to finish well. And I mean, we're, you know, urged follow after Paul as Paul follows after Christ.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Press on relentlessly. Um, and that's what a Christian life should look like. So again, more practical. Well, that again, we're moving really quick just for the sake of, we don't have as many episodes as I'd love to have. Yeah, that's irrelevant, (laughs) but okay. So then we move into chapter four, Colton, give me a, give me a cold notes about what happens in chapter four.
1: Yeah chapter three kind of concludes with, Hey, like the look towards the example you have in Christ and Paul and others follow them and not these false teachers. Well, now he gets into like very practically how you could do that. Like he even calls out two people. Oh, gosh, you, I might butcher these names. <laughs> Eodia and Syntyche. I've heard it both
0: ways. No, I'm okay. just kidding. I know those are two names. <laughs> okay. Feel. Yeah. 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 Uh, chapter four, verse two, I entreat you, and I entreat Syntyche. That's but, how I've heard them.
1: Okay, okay. So I'm correct on that. Few <laughs> seems like it. All right, press on. <laughs> but he's talking about like how this church could strive for unity, yep. how they could specifically encourage each other. Yep. And he gets into like talking about the peace of God, the prayer, um, noticing that Christ is coming soon, and just having, um, in light of God's provision, being content in that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, going back, I mean, we talked about, again, last time you were on, there's just such great points that came out of that. Um, but God is sovereign. Mm-hmm. And so how he deals with us, we can be content in that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, in chapter four, he talks about, I mean, you, there's another phrase that comes out of here, right? Stand fast uh, or stand firm. Chapter four, verse one. Therefore, my brothers whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. This idea, as he gets to the end of the chapter, he tells him, remember, it was pressed on, run the race well. And here it's stand firm in these things, and he exhorts them to to be unified. He well, it's, I entreat you, O and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. That's that we're we're hearkening back to, or or thinking back to, that beginning in chapter two, right? Mm-hmm. Be of one mind, be of one accord. The church is not divided. The church should not be divided. Let me yep. rephrase that. Uh, the one of the greatest testimonies of churches is churches that are like families. Oh yeah. They just, what a, what a light to the world. Churches that live like, act like, love each other like mm-hmm. families. By the way, if you struggle with that, that's the whole point in chapter two. Be humble. Yeah. Humble yourself. Don't hold on to anything. Be concerned about other people. All right. That brings us to the last part of chapter four, which is, I think you already talked about it actually. What's the back half of chapter four?
1: Uh, I think I might've said like God's provision in us being content in that.
0: Yeah. Being content. All right. And out of chapter four comes one of the most interesting verses. And by yes. interesting, that's a euphemism, uh, as in, I don't really mean interesting. I mean, butchered. Oh, hundred percent. There's a butchered verse. And actually, you know, Before Christian pressed the record button, uh, we were talking about this verse and places we've seen it. And you said you've actually seen this a couple places. Oh, I feel like so.
1: Philippians 4.13, of course, is what we're alluding to is one of the (laughs) most like butchered verses. It seems like because in context, it's beautiful. Like it really means so much. But out of context, you could use it for anything. I could do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I could PR on this bench press and get through this next set because I'm quoting this verse.
0: Like I, I think the last time you yelled this verse, you were actually at a bench press probably. And I think you were trying to lift 500 pounds if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. The verse didn't work. Didn't work. <laughs> all right. But that, okay. So now we're finding though, this verse has confines and you alluded to it. Um, and I've, I've heard this and I believe this to be true. And I believe most most people handling the Bible rightly believe that context matters. Mm -hmm. We can't rip Philippians four 13 out of the chapter. We can't disregard the other 22 verses and say, I can do all things. That means literally everything. Yeah. Uh, If that were the case, I mean, we'd be superheroes. That'd be awesome. I could literally do anything. And so the context actually matters. And it comes back to what we talked about when we're looking at the introduction to Philippians, and honestly, I'm gonna read this because I find this of high importance. Mm -hmm. Um, Paul's talking about how God has dealt with him. And by the way, and this back as an example in chapter two of, of Paul's rejoicing, humble servant heart uh, here we are in, in chapter four, verse 10. He says again, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length, you have revi- revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I'm stop there just before we hit 413. Um, Russell pointed this out once. It had nothing to do with this podcast. I just remember him saying this and I've, there's value in this. He, it, Paul learned to be content. He wasn't just born content. Yeah. And I think Christians, we need to learn to be content. And I'm thinking back to chapter two, verse uh, 14, like don't grumble and complain. We're Mm -hmm. so, so prone to grumble and complain because it's just so easy when you think you deserve more. Mm -hmm. And hey, by the way, if you want to get rid of the, the thinking you deserve more, be humble.
1: Yeah. Chapter two. Be like Christ. All of chapter two. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Don't, don't cling and grasp to anything. He did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Yeah. Humility. Uh, All right. So continuing, how do we get to verse 13? I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. So he's actually commending them. And remember we said way back in chapter one, things important to know about the Philippians. They're poor expat. Yeah. They love that they're from Philippi. They are proud. Ryan was singing proud to be Philippians. (laughs) Uh, And Paul's reminding them. Thank you so much for the gift you sent to me with Epaphroditus but please know I have learned to be content and I can do all things. I mean, I like saying it like this. I can endure all things. I can endure all seasons through him who strengthens me. Might we be humble and recognize that the Lord deals providentially with me? I love the the ending of one of the Psalms. I can't remember. It's either 10, 11, 12 or 13. There's a phrase though. The Lord has dealt bountifully with me. Mm. And it has a lot to do with that. Christ him in, in five through 11 if you're in Christ theme of theme of the book, as yeah. going back to episode six, the Lord has dealt bountifully with us mm-hmm. because we're by default sinners, by default deserving of death. And yet Christ was humble, did not count equality with God, a thing to be grasped, became a servant,
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross so that we could wear his righteousness. His righteousness is imputed to the believer. We can stand before God because of Christ's perfect life. Our sin is imputed to him. So the debt is paid and God is now just, he maintains being perfectly just and, and we're righteous because of Christ. And so he's dealt bountifully with us and we can learn to be content and understand he is sovereign and deals with us providentially. And we can do all things, survive all seasons mm-hmm. through him who strengthens me. I can survive all. I mean, I can survive all economic seasons through him who strengthens me. Wow. I'm getting very pointed at this point, but yeah,
1: but I like your point is like, be content wherever you're at. Right. And that's the point of Philippians four thirteen. That's the point of this concluding, um, paragraph or so of like, Hey, like Paul is in a poor situation. I recall like what we were talking about earlier on in the podcast of Paul's in prison. Like he's in a poor situation where he has to learn to be content in that situation. Yep. So it's like, even that, like he's testifying to the contentness, the peace he's feeling right now that surpasses understanding.
0: Yep. Even in the midst of imprisonment. Yep, exactly. So might it be true of us that we can learn to be content we can recognize that we can endure all things. We can endure the, the suffering promised in chapter one, verse 29, because I would say it's still very applicable because again, we've said this multiple times. The gospel, the prosperity gospel is not the gospel. Mm. Christ doesn't save me from hardship. Christ doesn't Christ is not the genie in the bottle, right? He is our, and we learned this in chapter two in those same verses. He is Lord and Savior. We are to be obedient. He is sovereign. And as he deals with us providentially, we can be content even when situations are hard, not grumbling, not complaining. And we can do all this through Christ who strengthens us. Mm. All right. That concludes our study in Philippians. And again, one more time, I encourage you read, the, read this whole book, study it for yourself. There is so much depth and Truths that could be mined out of all four of these chapters. And I would encourage you to do it just because we don't have time does not mean we're setting the boundaries for you. Mm -hmm. Read, read chapter one through four. What a, what a great book, glorious truths coming out of it. Great passages. Colton, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. All right. I do want to uh, remind you that this podcast is sponsored by the McGregor Young Adult Life Group. If you are on the hunt for a community that encourages and supports one another in the journey of following Christ faithfully, look no further. Our McGregor Young Adult Life Group is tailor-made for individuals like you. Whether you're post-college, engaged, or even happily married, join us each Sunday at 9.30 a.m. as we come together to explore the wisdom of the Bible and deepen our understanding of Christ Jesus. We invite you to be a part of the McGregor Young Adult Life Group this Sunday. And with that, we conclude Philippians. To our friends that are listening, we trust you will let the word of Christ dwell in you richly this week. No matter how you are getting this episode, be sure to like, subscribe, and leave a comment or review. It really helps us out. Check us out on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, and be sure to check out our other McGregor Podcast channels. Just head over to knowthewordpodcast.com for all the details. Thanks for listening.